Welcome to the podcast From Depression to Expression. I'm your host, Oliver Schirach. I have struggled for many years with low energy, self-worth and depression, which have hindered me to truly live my life and express the beauty that is within me. To help myself, I started to learn a lot of things. After many years, I feel ready to share what I've learned with you. You're at the right place if you want to find out more about what is depression, what can cause it and how to get out of it again. It's either for you or for someone you know. We will be going out into realms that are not yet accepted by mainstream. We will be talking about the effects of food on your emotions, being unaware of your emotions, shadow work, triggers, soul retrieval, awakening, dark night of the soul, near-death experiences and much more. Some of those shows would be just me talking about things that are on my heart and what I learned lately. Other shows are with guests from around the world which will share their knowledge with us and broaden our horizons. Those guests can be scientists, shamans, medicine men or women, therapists, personal coaches and of course people that went through depression themselves and sharing their experience, what they learned by finding out who they are. Follow me on this journey to learn more about how to overcome depression. Learn to accept and love yourself truly. So we can embrace our authentic self unapologetically and start expressing who we are without fear, but with joy and lightness. Please remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and share this episode with someone you know that needs to hear this information. So without any further ado, let's get into today's show. So welcome, Carol, to the, this episode of Depression, from depression to expression, and I'm almost stumbling over my other podcast name here. <laughs> um, we had a great talk a few days ago, and you're a hypnotherapist, right? Yes. Hi, Oliver. Uh, it's really hi, everyone. It's really great to be here with you today. Yes, that's correct. I'm a hypnotherapist, and you're not Italian as I thought first when we talked. You're Polish, and you live in the UK. That's correct. Yes, that's awesome. And we had a, a longer talk last time, and therefore I said, this is really good. This is going to be great um, to talk about these different things, right? From depression to expression, you know, from the traumas, from the limiting beliefs, from the heaviness to the finding yourself and express yourself freely. And what you as a therapist can say about that what what your experiences are but first let me try to loosen us a bit up and get to know who you are how would you describe yourself in three words oh that's a very challenging question <laughs> uh, not not that you say one two three but like three words which describe you and you can go and say like i'm i'm brave because i always jump in in the cold water or whatever like in this manner yeah, so three, three words that I would say. The first word that describes me is human, being human. <laughs> um, the second one, the second word that I would use is undecided. Uh, and the third one 
Oof, that's um that's a challenge. I suppose to to express third word. Would that what would that be? What is the first thing that comes to my mind? Present. <laughs> present. Human undecided present. I mean, human. I hope we know all why. Um, at least you don't look green or blue with weird extensions on your body uh, <laughs> and undecided how comes you would describe yourself as undecided one of the um my aim um is always to stay as open-minded as i can and always ask questions always ask questions why we, we, what happened what is happening is it what is the nature of my experience what is the nature of my beliefs where those beliefs are coming from where my thoughts are coming from what is the source of my emotions and we very often goes through you know we we often goes go through life believing in certain dogma and my aim is to go beyond those dogmas and realize that I am not my beliefs, I am not my thoughts. So I often ask myself, and that's why I say undecided, because although perhaps the word questioning would be better than undecided, because yeah, I, I don't subscribe particularly to any philosophy, or I don't subscribe to any part of beliefs, I'm searching and I'm questioning. Okay, yeah. First thing was coming to mind when you explained was also curious, you know, when you're open minded, curious about yourself, curious about the world could also be something but questioning and evolving. And evolving, yeah. <laughs> because you always ask yourself. And present? How do you describe um, that? I'm practicing mindfulness meditation. Um, I suppose the practice that I'm doing is rooted in Vipassana Buddhist practice. Um, and my aim, again, whether you can say that you have any aims in meditation, I see meditation not... I'm working to break the boundaries between the formal practice of meditation to the rest of life because life is happening all the time you are accessing the reality through the mo present moment and of course when you have the formal meditation when you sit down cross-legged and when you meditate then you have that access the direct access to reality if you like but sometimes when you go and go with uh, a dog for a walk or when you wash dishes or when you attending your son or whatever you're doing the reality gets in the way it's very easy to lost being in touch with, with what is happening it's very easy to go um and think about something else and be lost in mind so um i'm trying my best to bring that quality of presence into every single moment of my life whether I'm succeeding or no, that's um, that's the lifelong project that I'm signing up for. Yeah, hopefully we all do in some degree. 
learning to be more present. Um, I know I have not been. <laughs> and a lot of times I am not because the thoughts are on a project or something you did or said or someone else said. Um, and this is what we are designed to do. Our brains are massive information processing machines and they create that illusion they they create the reality that we operate in and you find yourself daydreaming for about 50 percent of your time i think it's over 600 individual instances over the day which is mind-boggling because you daydream almost as often as you are awake <laughs> okay. and though even though though you are awake you very often just repeat the patterns that are your subconscious patterns yes and that's um yeah that's something i can see you know like uh you're caught in the same day and day and you want to get out of it that's uh that's good Let, let's look at that a bit further i want to I'm curious, you know, with these questions I have on the Oliver Shear show, so I'll take them with you as well. You would be a new caller in a coloring box. What color would you be? You can get creative, right? It does not have to be yellow, red, and blue. It can also be banana. It can be glitter. It can be transparent. What would describe you as this new color in this coloring box? It... <laughs> I think this is part of my logical mind that is kicking off now because I think <laughs> there was this research done some time ago that is almost impossible to create a new color is because we we know we kind of our eyes are able to see that 16 million colors on the color palette and it's very difficult to kind of come up with something else but when I when I sometimes in a meditation when I breathe in the colors that cal calms me down, what I see is the mist, like that fog, but it's the very colorful fog. It's all of the colors interchangeably and changing all the time. And there is a lot of kind of blueish and yellowish and, and, and greenish and pinkish. So it's just this beautiful combination of colors. I love all of the colors. So I would like to have a bit of all of them in me <laughs> so you're colorful <laughs> i like to think so <laughs> yes i I'm, I'm getting a, a little bit of picture so i can go down different rabbit holes right um let's see what what comes up for the next one um you can choose how you answer it could be either a fun fact about you not so many people know or a secret not that many people know about you Whew. fun fact or secret fact <laughs> you know that i'm I, i'm so rubbish with, with questions like that it's unbelievable like how <laughs> rubbish i can get like and when it comes to quizzes or questions like that it's i i feel like and maybe this is a subject for the hypnotherapy but it's like i have mental block <laughs> yeah but it's it's something you love to do but you realize your work colleagues or friends don't know i mean we talked about i can see now the ones which see the youtube they get the picture of you right there's a lego 
space shuttle or whatever rocket behind you there's yeah. two guitars an electric and an acoustic there's a lot of books are those things everyone know about you you, you mentioned before that you're buying yourself a lego set for christmas every year and yeah. spend some time playing is that one of these secrets you have or um i one of the things about me is the fact that i like to be open and sometimes i'm too open so it's uh that's why when you say fun fact or <laughs> secret fact it's difficult to come up with something because i sometimes i talk too much i sometimes believe and you know i'm like i don't know whether you ever seen the tibetan screaming bowl it's like i yes. actually have it here i sometimes <laughs> feel that i'm like the tibetan singing bowl like when you kind of set it off it never shuts up <laughs> oh so you have the right job as a hypnotherapist um i don't know but but okay let's 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 go down there so we know now that you you love to to share and be open you're curious you're questioning the life you're a human being and your aim is to be more and more present in the now be as colorful as possible <laughs> um how did you end up choosing the path of of hypnotherapist is that something which was lingering in you all the time since childhood or was it were you just stumbling over it because of whatever a coincidence i was 12 11 or 12 and i had experienced some bullying at the school and actually that bullying was coming up from the from the teacher um oh. that was kind of comparing me to my oldest brother who was kind of genius in everything that he was doing and i i had the moments in my academic career that i wasn't doing so well um, and i experienced a bit of bullying and i didn't feel confident going to the school so my parents took me to they were looking for different alternatives for the therapy and they took me to the hypnotherapist and after um one session with that guy i felt like oh my god this is it is incredible like going into that altered state of consciousness what was going on this is this is something very very powerful and i think i had two or three sessions with him and maybe going to the school wasn't still like my best um favorite activity i felt very I felt much much more confident and much much calmer so it wasn't the issue any longer and yes ever since I was 11 or 12 I thought yeah I want to do something about in that field in in the hypnotherapy or on on or therapy because it's very very powerful um thing and and a very fascinating thing to do and then I was since that age i was reading quite a lot about different religious traditions and spiritual traditions from all over the world um i got to i got hold of books on i like neuro linguistic programming and and things like that and when i was i think it was 2008 when i did my first um qualifications as hypnotherapist and i was but then I was very young and I think my ego kind of took me 
took it over and I went really into kind of um, stage hypnotherapy or not stage hypnotherapy, stage hypnosis, fun hypnosis. And um, yeah, I'm not doing that any longer. But that's that's kind of the, my beginnings with the, with the therapy. And yeah, all, all, all over the different years and different career paths that I I, I, I was doing, I, I this, it, the element of helping people and working with people was very important. So I worked as people, as, as life skills instructor for people with autism and challenging behaviors and Asperger. I work for as the mentor for people with uh, mental health, like helping them accessing the community after periods of isolation. I work with people with the profound and multiple learning disabilities. I worked as learning designer and academic developer for some time, helping people to get out the best of the education. And um, yeah, that's kind of my path to become yeah. a hypnotherapist. Yeah, helping helping people by by realizing how much it helped yourself, right? Yeah. And um, <laughs> now, when you mention uh, you know that your ego took over and stage performance and fun hypnosis, I remember in 2017 uh, during the the Danish city Aarhus was um, the European capital of culture or whatever, you know, every whatever two years, there's one city, which is like the capital of Europe. Uh, so we had this events here uh, where I live and we had a hypnotherapist or whatever, clairvoyant or whatever you want to call him showing up. So he figured out what kind of a number someone was thinking of. And just by looking at the person, he just said, it's about, you know, reading the person and what he shared about hypnosis. So it was very interesting. So how is it you, when you were on stage and doing this fun acts, stage performance, so to speak, what kind of people are, are you able to, you know, to put in the state of hypnosis and what people are difficult or not possible to put. So there are many tests that you do before you select people to go on stage. So you see someone who is highly hypnotizable, who is not. So you do that suggestibility test and you select the people who are the most suggestible. And of course, when you go on, it's, you know, when you ever everyone has a completely different experience and this is the most fascinating thing about any research or when we talk about the consciousness that this is such, such a subjective and experience for everyone that we don't even have words to convey what does it mean to everyone to be hypnotized or what those altered states of consciousness is we or are we we use language to establish some common grounds but everyone you know experience, that experience is different for everyone so for some people being on the stage they might feel oh i'm a little bit under pressure because people are looking at me and you know i i need to perform not to fail that guy who is hypnotizing me or <laughs> i don't want to fail those guys who are on 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 the stage with me or in the <laughs> theater with me some other people some other folks might be more like oh they, they just go into such a deep trance and they 
they perform. So yeah, but basically you select the people who are the most hypnotizable. And is, is there a certain characteristic of those people um, when you meet them in life? Are more f- I mean, I think to remember the this hypnotizer, which we saw said, the people which are very focusable, right? When, when, when there's a lot of stress in life, let's say they're in an apartment and it starts getting fire. These are the people which know exactly how to focus without getting distracted. So these are the ones easiest to hypnotize. Um, is that something like that you have also experience in? I mean, there are many talks and the many features that are mentioned when it comes to the hypnotizability. Um, at the beginning of work with anyone, I think that ability to leave that uh, need for control, everyone has got some kind of need of control and control the environment. But if you can leave that, leave, the, the hand the control over to someone else, that is good trade for hypnotizability. But there are, and that's my personal opinion, I know that there are more research needs to be done to back this up but there are some scales the hypnotizability scales that has been have been used since like 70s that were looking into the trades that you know that those people are hypnotizable and those people are not and all of that in my practice i feel that the most important thing when it comes to hypnosis is the relationship between people the hypnosis is a process it's not a thing it's something that we co-create we go along the same path and after a while of working with people when that trust that relationship is being built i believe that everyone can be experienced that altered state of consciousness through the hypnosis because it's such a natural state that everyone has access to <laughs> but there is a lot of misconceptions about what hypnosis is is the more there is a lot of um bad fame and bad pr about hypnosis and you've got those evil hypnotists or there is uh, this new netflix movie about you know evil hypnotherapies and all of that but hypnosis oh. is it's, <laughs> it's not like that at all okay it's all about the relationship with with people okay so yeah, I didn't. I, I realize I'm probably going too much down this road, but I didn't know about this Netflix or Via Play or Amazon documentary. But let's let's stay on what is a hypnosis. I mean, for me, it was also kind of weird. It must be two and a half years ago. I went for two sessions, but it was too expensive for me to uh, do it more. Right? It was twice as expensive as other therapies and the. The insurance didn't cover it, mm-hmm. which is funny because uh, hypnotherapy has been here for a long time. So mm-hmm. there's some kind of research backing up that it helps people. Uh, so especially yeah, when you're blocked. So I was surprised when I went there, what happened. So, so what is hypnosis? Because you talk about altered state of consciousness and trust building between the therapist and the hypnotizer uh, <laughs> and, the, and the client. So yeah, what is hypnosis? Okay, so this is a very complex question. 
what, what hypnosis is. And hypnosis is a process. It's something that you co-create with the person who is with you, whether this is online session or whether this is face-to-face session or telephone session. It's a process. And it is a process that enables you to access certain parts of your mind that are not normally accessible okay so that's the best way kind of to describe and of course there are many neuro uh, correlates that we can look in the brain like brain waves and the way um like affinity of neurons and all of that and what parts of brain are flashing up when people are subjected to hypnosis but let's not go into that uh, here because uh, I think there are many more important things to talk about when we talk about hypnosis, which is the subjective experience. And hypnosis is a natural state that occurs. So is that that often people refer to hypnosis to that state when you when you drive and you drive for a long period of time and you get to the place your destination and you look back at the um at the journey and you think oh how did i get here yeah so that's kind of that kind of state is something that hypnosis might feel like and of course in order to talk about hypnosis we need to think about what is mind what is subconscious mind what is conscious mind and there is as many people is, and as many, there are so many people, so many theories, so many theories about what mind is, what the consciousness is, that that is very difficult to to put that in like a kind of the category. What makes sense to some people? What might not make sense to some people? But the the other way to describe the hypnosis is basic, basically, and I think that we were talking about this in the pre-call. Imagine that you have a room full of clutter you know full of stuff that you keep covering all your life and you every time you go somewhere you go to shop you bring more stuff and everything that you have in that room whether this is a coach or um, you know tv or table or boxes with the old papers or whatever you can these are like kind of the social conditioning or the conditioning or experiences that you have. And those experiences kind of, and the way they are located in that room, the empty room of your mind, those, those boxes, those items direct your path through that room. So if you have plenty of boxes there plenty of items it is very difficult to navigate through that room so hypnosis is working together with an experienced therapist who can that you can really go through those items in that room and see oh do i really need that can I change that? If I remove that from that place, would that make my um, navigation through that room easier? So it's like kind of the, the cluttering. It's accessing that state of brain or, or mind that you wouldn't normally access to. And because in the hypnosis, you are going into the different waves, brain waves, because you are going into that um, 
altered state of consciousness, that logical part of your mind sometimes is kind of pushed back a little bit. So what happens then? You create a new narration. You create a new story about yourself. You create a new relationship with yourself, with your past and with your future. And sometimes it takes so many sessions in the, of course, the counseling and different modalities in psychotherapy or counseling are super effective as well as hypnosis, but sometimes hypnosis can be seen as elevator. So if you're going to the counseling or psychotherapy in different modalities, sometimes it seems like you are taking the stairs to climb the floors. In the hypnotherapy, sometimes when you, for example, want to access the repressed memories, it's like taking a lift. So you are getting to the same point as you would do with the different um, modalities of psychotherapy, but sometimes hypnosis helps you to access it much quicker. And the final thing I said, counseling and psychotherapy and hypnotherapy. And to me, hypnotherapy is a branch of psychotherapy. It's different modality. It shouldn't be seen as um, therapy, the, the separate part of the therapy. To me, the psychotherapy like, you know, you've got different modalities in psychotherapy, like Gestalt, CBT, psychodynamic, blah, blah, blah. And hypnotherapy is one of them. Like that, it shouldn't be seen as separate kind of um, tool, you know, it's a, or, or separate separate branch of therapy. It's, it's just one of the tools that psychotherapists can use with in work with clients. So, so are you working as a psychotherapist as well, or are you a hypnotherapist alone? I am currently trainee with UKCP, so as trainee psychotherapist with the UKCP. So I'm a hypno registered hypnotherapist and trainee psychotherapist. Okay, so you you want to combine those two um, yeah. in uh, in your work now. <clears throat> Now I start to get a better picture <laughs> because I have no idea, right? Uh, there's like so many different hypnotherapies. And for me, so now my experience to add to this talk from two, two and a half years ago is that I went there and there was this lady. Uh, it was at her place, right? Because she doesn't need much. Like you need a, a cozy room. You need you, you need to feel connected as you said right so i went there i felt really connected she had this nice room the typical you know <laughs> bed you lay down <laughs> as we know from all the movies and and i expected her to talk to me and and all these things but what she basically did what i remember right so i might have forgotten a lot of things was her helping me to relax right mm -hmm. counting down and i've heard that on youtube uh, you know, self therapies. You can get Michael Seely. I think it's his name is one of the bigger names. Uh, the other one I don't remember. So the like two guys are always popping up when I look for, you know, self therapy, inner child travel, and stuff like that. And then they continuously talk, right? And they have a lot of time music, which should help according to their frequency. But what she did was just talk me down. I don't not remember all the beginning, but what I remember was the part of like you stare on this staircase and you visualize this nice place and you feel how you walk down one step at a time and then she counted down and then now i think for her was something like you 
step onto a big meadow, a field of grass. It's it's beautiful. You're relaxed. You lay down there and you just relax. And somehow I just was gone. Um, and if she was talking after that, I don't know. I had the feeling she was not talking. I had the feeling I'm just laying there. I have my eyes closed and I can open them whenever I want and just tell her like, see, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, I'm still here. I'm fully conscious. Uh, I can just open my eyes and sit up. And, you know, I was like, didn't really know what to expect. I thought somehow I'm more in trance. For me, it was a lot of colors I saw in front of the eyes. It's like when you close your eyes and then the sun is passing and the shadows, right? Sometimes it's yellow, red. Um, and then she eventually she started talking again and said, don't actually remember how she got me back right what what are the steps something like you 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 start to wake up you start to be conscious you start to be in your body something like that i guess she said uh on the count of five on the count of ten um and i was just very relaxed and for me it was just like i don't remember if i saw pictures or something it was just colors which was very chaotic in the beginning and then they got more and more calm you know this picture you get with closed eyes I had the feeling it was more the eyelids, you know, shining the light coming through the eyelids that I saw, like the blood, which is, of course, you know, uh, when the sun is shining through your eyes and you have like this red view, right, um, mm -hmm. because of the blood. And that was it. And she just said, like, wow, that was great. Um, how deep I relaxed. You didn't expect it because of all the energy which <laughs> I'm carrying. And I'm like, that was my experience with these two sessions I had. Um, and now I'm going to a friend, which is doing acupressure, acupuncture. Uh, he learns from a Chinese guy. And he learned now bars, B-A-R-S. It's a part of uh, a bigger thing. I don't remember exactly the whole name. And he said he wanted to try that with me. And the funny thing is, it felt to me almost like the hypnosis I went to. Because I was thinking I should go back to, to some therapy. But I'm like, how do I afford it um, at the current situation. And then he had this offer for massage. And then he said, ah, I just have this feeling I should try that. And I was laying down and I had the same feeling. Ah, and what was interesting, my from my elbow to my fingertips, my hands were very heavy. So it's like this, like, you know, when I woke up, I felt like this tense in the hands. So that's, that's, that's my experience I had. Um, so I don't know, you're... A trained <laughs> hypnotherapist. So, what what is your take on that? First of all, I would like to ask you: How did it feel? Like, how did you feel during it, and when you woke up? Um, yes. So, this is of course two and a half years ago, right? So, there's a lot of layers of experience, <laughs> memory on lay on top, which can confuse it. But as I said, now bars is something I try to do every week. Uh, there are things coming in between, right? Today, my, my daughter is coming, so I cannot do it. But it feels like I'm just very relaxed, right? And, and, and with bars, especially now when I do it, I can really feel the energy flowing into my arms. Um, every session, I have like five or six sessions now behind me. It feels like the energy goes more and more up instead of just from the hands up, then from the elbows up into the fingers. Now it's going all the way to the to the arm so it's kind of like this energy flow i can feel in the hands and um in the hypnosis i do not remember if i felt that i just felt like the hands were 
you know, feeling heavy. And I was just relaxed. I was just laying there. But I'm sure the first time I was also like probably a bit stressed inside because I expected something that she's kind of talking to me about. Now you visualize this. Now you go there. Uh, can you see this and that? Can you feel this whatever bad memory you have forgotten? And suddenly you <laughs> memorize or a memory comes up. You. You didn't know you had, right? But it was just laying there. So there was this probably this inner conflict because I expected something. But I felt, how did I feel? Heavy afterwards? Okay. It's like, like, like from a sleep, like, but relaxed. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> And Hypnosis is very subjective experience for everyone. And what it sounds to me by your description of the experience that you had with the hypnosis, you had experienced some deep state of trance with some uh, time distortion and kind of sleepiness that your conscious mind was focused on that meadow that you kind of relaxed on that grass and your subconscious mind was open for and absorbing the suggestion because whereas hypnosis is one of the point of the hypnosis is to enhance and open the suggestibility of, of the brain. So there are like different parts of us that are inter that, that are playing all the time. And hypnosis is kind of opening up some, some parts or can open up some, some parts if that's, needs to be done in the therapy so to me it sounded like you had it was quite successful session and of course you know i'm only hearing what you are saying i have not witnessed that so it's difficult for me to to say anything but at the same time it seems that you had some expectation prior experiencing the hypnosis And this is what a lot of people have when they come to see me. Oh, I ex I expect that, or you know, I'm I I have heard everything that you you are saying, and that's not a hypnosis. Well, in hypnosis, if I don't need you to go that deep, or maybe this is the first or second session that we are doing together, you're gonna hear everything that I'm saying. You might not, but it's okay. So everyone have different experience. And the hypnosis that you did, it was you said it was very, very relaxing. But some people they don't have relaxing experience at all. Some hypnotherapists they do hypnosis when the people are standing up. You know, for example, the stage hypnosis. It doesn't need to feel comfortable. So I remember once I experienced like full body catalepsy, I think it's called. So I was placed between two chairs. So my back was on one chair and my legs were on the second chair and basically my back and my bottom and, and thighs were up in the air, you know, and I just, I, I was stiff just between those chairs. Oh, and you know, that's, you can experience it in hypnosis. I had like experienced loads of crazy stuff. Like people were just burning my um, hair on my arm by, um, With, with a candle, like, you know, when I was hypnotized. So I experienced 
kind of and didn't feel pain. And of course, the hypnosis is used for those dental or surgical procedures as well. You can have the hypnotic anesthesia um, that you can go through the whole operation without any painkillers or anything like that or anesthesia is just under hypnosis. And what is the research, what, what the research indicates actually that the healing process afterwards, it's much quicker. You can have something that is called hypnobirth and the hypnobirthing actually, it's, it's, it's very quantitative. What is great about hypnobirthing and the things like dental procedures or um, surgical uh, procedures is the fact that you can quantify that somehow. So you can ask people who are going through the hypnobirthing, for example, and ask, how did it feel? How painful that was? And there are some reports that suggest that people who are going through the hypnobirthing are experiencing less subjectively, less pain than people who are going through just natural birth. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that reminds me that I actually know someone locally, which, yeah, check of many traits, I would say. Uh, when I talked to him, he was a gardener, then he was hypnotherapist, then he <laughs> he's doing printing, he's doing photography. Uh, and he told me he, uh, what I remember is like dentist, that he was probably working with a dentist so that people which didn't want to have, you know, local anesthesia, they got hypnotized by him mm -hmm. so they could get operated on the teeth. And that's, that's just something coming up while you're sharing it. Uh, I completely forgot about that. So, but when you use hypnotherapy for therapy, <laughs> not for the stage and, um, or, or for operations, um, who is normally profiting? Uh, what kind of people profit from such a therapy? Is that like everyone or is it like someone with special needs? I would say that hypnotherapy and in fact, any type of therapy, it's great for everyone. And look, we have our physical body that we attend to. We eat, we drink, we go to toilet, we have shower on daily basis. We take care of our physical bodies. Yeah. And we are born and we die with our mind. You know, we are constantly 24 seven with ourselves or our lives. And what do we do to attend that? Yeah, there are some great practices like meditation that can help us out. But sometimes meditation is not the solution for everything. And therapy, just spending that hour a week with someone to talk about your experiences it can be very profound, life-changing experience. And even if you, and, and the therapy, it doesn't mean that you need to go to therapy or see therapies only when you feel down. Like you go to have a massage just to feel your body feel, you know, lighter or remove some tensions. And the same can go with the, with the hypnotherapy or with any other modality of therapy, you can go there just to talk, just to make sure, have that kind of radar check that, oh, 
how am how am I doing? Is that everything is something sleeping under my radar? Am I doing good? It's like just this kind of sense gauging self-gauging exercise like how am i doing in the relationship to myself in the past to my relationship in the future to the relationship to my society to the environment to the world so the therapy it's that kind of mental shower you know and i would strongly recommend that for everyone to go to not only when you experience depression you know low mood anxiety phobia public speaking um, fears or exam fears or whatever. It's such a wonderful gift just to talk about yourself and, you know, have that experience that someone is there for you to listen to you and be for you, not judging. (laughs) Yeah, but that's... (laughs) I had a similar talk with the physiotherapist <laughs> or was it um, a physio and then the other one is, yeah, whatever, massage, uh, that people should generally once a week or once a month go and just get their bones pulled back yeah. <laughs> uh, and just get a massage. So, yeah. but we don't do it. So, so who is generally coming to you? Are you working over the state or do you have a private place? No, I have uh, my private practice. And yeah, I have different people that are coming to me. So I have people who are coming to me with, for example, with phobias. You know, I have the people who are coming to me with um, low moods, anxieties, depressions. Um, Of course, these are labels. I have people who are coming with different experiences. I have people who are just coming to me that want to be listened to and understood. I have the people who sometimes feel that they lost direction or meaning and they just want to find that space that they can talk openly about what they go through, being heard and being understood. Okay. But but from what you shared before, do you also have people which just come and say, you know what? It's actually good for me. It's like, as you said, brushing the teeth, going in the bathroom, taking a shower, taking a walk in the forest. Um, you have people coming to you like that and say, you know, what? I want to have once a month or once a week <laughs> a session just to keep maintenance <laughs> of my mind. I think, well, I don't have clients like that yet. But I, I have very good. How do I phrase that? Yeah, I, 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 at the moment I don't have the clients like that. But I, I feel that this is to come. I feel that the more and more people are kind of awakening to that. That you know, going to therapy doesn't mean that it's unbroken because people who are going to the therapy are not broken at all. They are just people with the experience. And the experience is normal. Whatever it is, it's not good or bad. I love that one. They are people with experience. And uh, we have to learn to not judge. So let me see how we how I take it from there, because we had such a deep talk last time. Um, don't remember how we ended up in it so the the listeners can follow us um 
let's say you, you talked also about source of emotions in the beginning, uh, emotional awareness. How has this changed for you going through this, yeah, through your life journey with hypnotherapy and the interest on the different religion, different um, spiritual teachings? How did, did, how did this change for you, the emotional awareness? Oof, Oliver, that is such a difficult question, a wonderful <laughs> question, but wow. How do you phrase that? I, I love to put my guests into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> okay, so how do I even begin? What is emo? Well, okay, so what what are the emotions? You know, um, I, I the emotions are primary, and we live in the Western world, especially if you are a young male that was born and raised 30 or 40 years ago, you might have heard from your parents that, oh, leave those emotions behind because, you know, we don't deal with emotions. But emotions are primary and the neuroscience tell us, tells us that the emotions are, you know, the people like Lisa Ferdinand Barrett, uh, David Eagleman and, and the people like that, they are always telling that emotions are those vehicles they carry the message so emotions is primary it goes before even your thought so we feel we are people and animals the animal human animals are primary creatures that feel and the feeling comes before thinking um what is happening as a hypnotherapist, or in fact, as any therapist, what you need to do in order to be, be fit for work, you need to spend a lot of time going through the clinical supervision. So going through talking with someone who is much more experienced with you to make sure that you're doing everything according to kind of code of ethics, code of conduct, that you are doing everything in your power to help that person that you are working with. Second thing, this is the this is your obligation to have the right level of self-care. Wherever that self-care might be, for me, self-care is physical exercise, is good diet, good nutrition, meditation, regular meditation, being creative, you know, playing music, listening to music, reading books, having that level of awareness, committing CPD. So, you know reading a lot listening to interesting podcasts having the interesting conversations like with people like yourself so having all of that and when you go into the therapy you need to park yourself so it sounds very abstract okay but when i go to see my client or my client comes to see me, or we have the, you know, because I work with, pe with people worldwide, like I operate only on a Zoom. So I work with people from all over the place. Um, and I teach meditation as well, not only, not only hypnotherapy. Uh, so when, when people are coming to me, I leave my ego or myself behind that door, you know? It's, I am for them. And when you are coming, it's like when you are coming to see me, you are sharing one hour per week with me. And you, you know, you are with yourself 
365 days and you are coming for one hour. I'm not expert on your life. You are the expert. You are with yourself all the time. So if my ego wants to take over and if I want to tell you, oh, you have to do that or you have to do that or you, I'm judging you because, oh, you have done this. So you need to do that. Then I'm not doing my job. My job is to facilitate that platform, that open space that you can talk about your experience and just feel feel that you're you can talk because just that 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 relationship between therapies and the client and that open space is the healing presence as well is very powerful and is very profound but i am not there to tell you what you need to do and i have to leave myself behind i leave, i have to leave the facade of carol who likes play on guitar and stuff like that there because if i tell you oh if you experience that so go and play that's not gonna work for you that might work for me but that's not gonna work for you so i need to work with you get to know you get to see the world through your eyes and the only one reason the only one way i can see your world through your eyes if i is when i forget about me so that's why meditation self-care and all of that is super important for therapists and extremely important the fundamental part for the therapist to be they you know to to be with the client for them to have that psychological maturity and the Another thing is when you start doing a lot of hypnosis and meditation, you start watching your thoughts, your patterns, your emotions, and you realize that, you know, there is a consciousness, yeah, is that, that awareness that you are able to watch everything that unfolds before you. And the thoughts are like kind of the vehicles, you know, they, they are coming and going, coming and going, and the same emotions, and everything is, is temporary. All emotions that you feel, is, it just it will go. Same as my voice. You don't know what the next word I am going to say is. You don't have any mean to predict that. And same, you don't know what your next thought is going to be. What is your next emotion? And you can have the threshold that you constantly feel low so there is greater likelihood that you might say oh i'm definitely gonna feel shitty in the next moment and the hypnotherapy or the therapy is it can actually help you to kind of move that threshold or work with you to move that threshold a little bit up to see that you know experiencing a low mood is not the only one option and it takes time of course it does but you know (laughs) What's, what are the choices? You can stay there or can go lower or you can take the chance and try to be 10% happier, you know? And the 10% happier is, wow, it's, it's great. It's, it's being another self, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Um... So, so for you, what changed inside you? I mean, now you explained really nice on, on, on what you actually do when you have the sessions that you're kind of you know you're here you're present and 
you create a space of help and non-judgment, which is very important. But what has it changed for you as a person, like in your personal relation with yourself? (laughs) Wow, again, very (laughs) profound question. (laughs) Several things. One, it's the most important, I, I would say, is I am not my thoughts. I am not my emotions. They are, these are temporary beings that enter the field of my consciousness. If I have very bad day, which happens to everyone, and I am not the exception, and sometimes I have just shitty day, I can say openly and honestly, even if I felt that towards the end of my life, it is okay to experience that. It is just okay to feel what I feel now. That's it. Because it's still great to be alive, you know? Um, the second thing, like, it's it is being a therapist and going through, doing a lot of meditation, it is makes me wonder on daily basis how amazing our world is. Like, look, think about that from this perspective. We are living in the universe that is 13.8 billion years old. Basically, we are living on a rock, which is why, like a rock spaceship that is orbiting the gigantic fireball. And that gigantic <laughs> fireball gives us the power, gives us the life. It's like crazy, you know, Terry Pratchett would write that, you know, it's the, when, when he talks about the world that is on like giant turtle and elephants and all okay, that. Okay, so you like Ch- Terry Pratchett. So that's, yeah, a, I, that's a dirty <laughs> secret. <laughs> yeah, I do like him. But, you know, <laughs> when he talks about that, the world is to say it is crazy to think that the, there is a gigantic fireball that powers us. The same as the, the idea that we the world is on on, on place on the on the gigantic turtles or gigantic elephants. It's the same crazy idea. It's, they are crazy ideas. We are living in really crazy world. You know, the whole universe is so fine tuned for life. It's crazy how fine tuned it is, and it's it's great. It's, it's just great. And thinking about that from this perspective, like, you know, the Big Bang and all of that, we are coming from the exactly same source, the stardust and, you know, all of the gold that people we have in our body, that comes from a reaction in the supernova, you know, that happened millions of years or billions of years ago, and the stardust was blown here on the planet, and we have that gold, we have that, that stardust from far distance of our galaxies we all are built from the same atoms and molecules and all of that and when we die all of those atoms and molecules go into earth again and when we in the western world we see the world as in isolation there is that i lens you know i look at the world out there the world is out there but no i am the world you are the world we are the expression of that world in relationship to each other So I truly want you to feel good because I have that desire to feel good for myself, to have the best quality of life. And bloody hell, I want that for you. I really want that for you. And that goes beyond, you know, 
nation, race, religious affiliations, sexual affiliations, gender, and all of those identities that we create. We are more than our identities, you know? And that's the beauty of being therapist, that you work with all of those people and you see them as people, not as the identities they carry. Okay. I can definitely see that you have opened up. So this, for you as a therapist, it opened you up to there's more, that we are all together, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and I can see... You talked about, you know, doing all these meditations and stuff, the thoughts and emotions that come. Um, and, um, and it's just, it's kind of like what I learned, what I heard several times is like, it's like a train station, right? If you let the train stop with the thoughts and the emotions, you will feel them and you will think them. But if you just let the train pass through, <laughs> it will disappear again, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that it looks like you have learned through the, through the training of hypnotherapist because you had a lot of talks with other more experienced people so you can be certified um, and through your meditations you have learned actually to disconnect from these feelings and thoughts because you realize they're just a part of which comes and goes did or how not are you using not disconnect because disconnection means that you know, I'm something beyond them, but I am them. Like when I experience anger, I am anger in that time. I accept it to be. I am not pushing it away. When anger comes, I let it be. When happiness comes, I let it to be. So it's like I you am... accept it. You accept yeah. the feeling. Uh, how are you using the feeling? Can you use it as guidance? And if And if so... Now, now this podcast is depression to expression, right? From depression to expression and, and anger, especially frustration, low self-esteem, all these emotions, which are really, um, I do not remember who made that bar, right? With very low frequency and emotions are like anger and self-hate and all these things. And then love and bliss is, you know, the higher vibrations, the higher emotions. Um, but if you're depressed, stressed, and all these things, anxiety, you have like a lot of these lower emotions. And how can you not identify and say, I am anger, but you can say, I feel anger. And how do you learn to actually use these emotions to, to move forward, to, to come out of the depressed and negative state? And how can you, and the next thing is, yeah, prop, that's now a combination is like, how can you actually <laughs> learn to feel those emotions or, or thoughts? Because when you're depressed, you depress everything, right? That's the name, right? You suppress, depress, everything is, you probably don't even realize you feel anything. It just is, right? I'm angry. And, but you don't feel it in your body. You just have this anger in you or this anxiety. How do you learn to start to... Is that something you do in the hypnotherapy as well to help people to actually feel the different emotions again, to be able to realize, oh, I have this feeling in me. I have this emotion in me. It's not, you know, I mean, disconnect in a way that you, you are not the emotion. It's you feel the emotion mm -hmm. because you're much more than the emotion, right? Because you cannot be happy at uh, sad in the same time. You just have this feeling at the moment and it guides you to, in a direction. These are two very good questions. Oops. And 
can you hear me okay yeah 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 no i have a dog behind my dog came below the the, the, the table and oh, i was right. just stepping on her <laughs> okay yeah it's a, it's a very ha- very often happens to me as well but my dog is downstairs today not with me um yeah it's uh it's two very very good questions and firstly i would like to come back to that chart you know the low frequencies and high frequencies and to i don't find it and a lot of i perhaps open up myself for a lot of criticism and sometimes i don't feel that this is useful categorization because it plays the condition of war on people if you don't experience the good um, feelings or so so-called good feelings like love and bliss you are somehow you're not vibrating high level and you are somehow worth less you know than because you you vibrating at a low expression so by vibrating at a low expression you somehow feel worse you should feel better you know you should vibrate at the higher frequencies so sometimes i don't see those categorizations those polarization are helpful sometimes i see you experience anger great fantastic this is what you experience Mm -hmm. exactly depression it's when you were talking about repression and depression that anhedonia that not ability to feel it's one of the expressions of depression you know you can be so anhedonic in depression that you don't feel anything yes i know that feeling it's it's terrible because you have kids you have a wife and you're like i have all of these great things but there's nothing you know there's no feeling that's just is right yeah but it is okay it is you don't feel anything and it is the feeling itself. Not feeling anything is the feeling itself. So you start working with whatever client is bringing to you. It is anger. Fabulous. <laughs> Let's talk about that anger. You feel anahedonia. You don't feel anything. Great. How is it for you? And you start picking this up. And when you have, you know, repressed emotions like anger, there is a lot of anger. You can channel this somehow you can use hypnosis for that you know let's channel this anger through hypnosis or you can say you know what just go for a run because that client might like running and you know he might go and run 5k a day and that might help them to release a lot of anger and actually or there is a lot of physiological research that backs this up it might be the case that someone likes painting okay paint that anger do something creative with that write poem read poem play music dance write music listen to music and shout dance sing whatever you know you work with whatever client is bringing to you and all of this, the emotions, even happiness, you know, happy, joy, bliss, emotions, they are signposts as well. They are the, those na- navigation clues that you are doing something right or so, so called right in your life. And the depression or, or, or low moods might be indication that you are not stepping into your authentic self if you, if you like those expressions. Yeah, or your true self or your, or your true being self. or... Yeah, or it's just your relationship with environment is not the way you want it to be. Just from the kind of physical perspective, from the ego perspective, it is something that you really like, you know, 
something to, to change. And that's okay as well. Yes. So, so you work with them and like for me, not feeling it was not fun because not feeling was, uh, I can see that with, you know, drawing and painting and doing sport. I mean, I also remember a talk a few years ago, someone told me, be careful to do sports when you're angry. <laughs> um, and I, I can see the point because if you go running when you're angry, you might just go a little bit too far. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then you might not go running for a few weeks or months afterwards because you might break something. Um, so it's always this balance because I do see the point when you're really angry and you love to be in your body, right? To do something mm -hmm. physically uh, and not overdo it. Like if you punch the punching bag and then suddenly you punch so hard that you come and break your hand or mm -hmm. rip something right <laughs> yeah that's that's why there is is really important to have that risk assessment so for example if you know you work with so if i work with someone who is very physical and is very athletic and for them running 5k a day is not a problem i wouldn't say go and run 10k a day i would say just stick to 5k a day you know yeah. and there are, for those people would be they would do exactly what they have done Yeah. yeah, it's just so you're not overrun and just yeah. overspeed and then you break a muscle or fiber because you just are so angry that uh, it can really push yeah. you forward to to do more than you usually can. But remembering this in the physical, um, I was playing badminton a bit, which I didn't ever expect to, to like do it. <laughs> I did basketball, football, martial arts, mountain bike, and so on and so forth. And I realized when I had this depressive, you know, depressive faces where you really are heavy, right? And then how to, going to work out, you know, 50 kilos deadlift was just like heavy. And I'm like taking 180 kilos, but 50 kilos was killing me. Going to badminton, having this trainer, which was in the top 10 in the US uh, originally, he's Danish. And you can go free to where he, he has a little studio um, to play. And then he knew that like, I'm angry, right? So He can see that. Everyone can see that when I'm angry. <laughs> I think I can see it in other people as well. But you start playing easily, right? Just get that ball over the net. And mm -hmm. such a racket is not heavy. And the ball is not heavy. It's not like tennis. Tennis, the, the racket is harder. And the ball, when you hit, I think it's harder. But badminton is very light. I could see after 10, 20 minutes, suddenly, you know, I could get more and more energetic. And then suddenly I could go really high and the pulse goes up and... I was done. I'm like, wow, I just feel good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not heavy. I'm not, I'm not tense. It's, you know what I mean? It's like the grip around your body, about your mind. So how do you get out of that? Now I, I gave an example, what worked for me, which might not work for other people. Right. Uh, and, and what is it when you have this procrastination coming with this, this negative, these so-called negative feelings, these heavy feelings, because they really feel heavy. They really drag me down energetic wise. That's why I use this chart. And I love to paint. I love to work out, but I cannot get myself pushed. I live alone at home with a dog. What can a person do in that situation? I mean, they couldn't call you and say, hey, I need a therapy session with you. <laughs> but what else could they do? Just trying to figure out really. And 
with a therapy you would just figure out and yeah you can ask yourself like oh i experience that feeling right now the intensity of that feeling you can add the scale on that experience like from one to ten how intensive that feeling is so i feel like procrastinating right now and that feeling is eight out of ten then just tune into that feeling and yeah you can take it from from there really and figure out like what is the meaning of that what is that feeling tries to tell me or you can say something along the line like even if i experience that toward till end of my days it's okay you know because with the procrastination sometimes it's again this kind of bit of western culture coming into play <laughs> that we need to prove ourselves that we are you know um members of productive members of society and as eric from said the animal the, the human animals are the only animals in the all kingdom that are concerned with what being is rather than just being so we've tried to figure out the way of being rather than just, just enjoy being so you know um but sometimes figuring it out yourself might be a strategy but sometimes those feelings might be just too overwhelming so go and see therapists who will be able to work with you it's sometimes very the safest option it depends you know it depends all depends on the severity of of your experience because yeah life throws a lot of stuff at us and sometimes it is challenging sometimes we feel overwhelmed but it doesn't need to feel like that we don't need to cross this path alone if you have that capacity to cross this path alone great you know do it and perhaps if you know how to do it you wouldn't <clears throat> you perhaps will already know all of those the, the things that i said you know like <clears throat> but if you if you don't just it's, it's absolutely okay to go and see therapies uh, and uh, saying that sorry i just need to get a sip of water yeah so while you take it's a drink saying that yeah it's um it's sometimes okay to just feel lazy and procrastinating we've got this is our life you know we, we don't need to perform 100 percent all the time sometimes <clears throat> giving few days a break it's okay um you know there are other stuff like maybe structuring your day just maybe it's not, not even like psychological or anything like that it might be just the time management or planning maybe just reading book like deep uh, work by carl newport might be do might be might do a uh, wealth of good word of good or book like peak performance you know that might do some good do some research about like how to enter the flow state and this kind of stuff so there is loads of things that can be done and again I'm talking, everything that I said here is working with in very abstract categories. It needs to be <laughs> really specified to the client or to the experience of the person who is coming to see a therapist. Yeah, that, I, I just mentioned these things because they come up in my head. So when, when, um, yeah, there are two things. One is like, 
many people underestimate how deep they are actually in a depression or in a negative, you know, spiral, because you get so used into feeling like that, that I know people which say, no, no, everything is fine. But like, no, no, go to a therapist. Don't go to a doctor, right? Go to a therapist and look at your mental state, at your energy, spiritual state, your emotional state. Um, so that can be also for some people hard, because as you said, going to a therapist is not because you're broken. It's just because of your experiences and you need help to kind of work with those experiences because you haven't learned it yet. And the other thing is uh, try to figure out the intensity of the feeling. And I was thinking what, what came to mind for me was like, okay, if you feel something like that and you said like, give it a rating from zero to 10 or one to 10, um, would you, for me, it sounds like, okay, sit down or stand or lay down or whatever feels comfortable and just feel into your body and feel into that feeling, you know, be present, right? You, you said also mm -hmm. you're present, be present with that feeling and then ask those questions. Is it, what is it meaning for me? Right. I think that also goes a bit into what I meant before with this emotional awareness, I guess um, it's like, okay, you feel the emotion and then you're like, oh shit, it's, it's really strong. And uh, it's, 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 it's hindering you in doing something. Perhaps you're euphoria, right? You're full of happy feelings as well, but you're so full of happy feelings. You cannot focus on getting the job done you wanted to do <laughs> because yeah. you're so happy. You're dancing around, you do all these things. I think then you also should, sit down and say what is it what what's going on in me what is this feeling um what is the meaning and probably like check some people go and uh, and scan their body if you can if you're that far and you can scan the body and feel like where in my body is this emotion expressing itself right is it in the heart is it in the head is it in the lower stomach in the knees um so so very thank you for 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 giving that um train of thought <laughs> so to speak the yes thank you very much and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity the only one thing with the body scan i would say just to add to this is that when you feel emotion that arises and when you for example do something you know and i don't know let's take an example of washing dishes and you feel oh overwhelming sadness or overwhelming joy if you remove yourself from the situation, go and sit down and start doing the body scan, that might change your experience. Because our consciousness, True. our consciousness is so much embraced, embedded within our bodies that when you change the body posture, it's like you know, whether sometimes like when you sit like that. Uh, so I don't know whether this is going to be audio or video, but at the moment I'm sitting with my uh bunched, yeah, like crunched. crunched. You know, but when you open up, you expand your chest, you take your hands behind you and like take full breath. It changes your expression. So when you sometimes when you remove yourself from the experience because you want to go and do that body scan, it changes the quality of that experience. So how would you do it then? So while you're washing and you feel this overwhelming sadness or joy, just, you will continue washing and scan yeah. while you do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just notice whatever arises at the moment when it arises. Capture it yeah. as and when. It, it sounds a bit 
medium advanced level <laughs> so but i think um you said also you train meditation and so on um so there's like again there's always two or three paths i can take when my clients say something that's that's my gift <laughs> so one thing is of course to get to know your emotions and feeling it's like get to to have a practice of meditation but let's have that talk afterwards the other thing which is now slipping my mind obviously <laughs> yeah so it slipped my mind so it's not important so we go down the <laughs> so we go it down this come back it might come back if it's important for this talk um so yeah said so you're not used to it you you're on the you listen to this episode um you're not confused yet by what we said <laughs> and you're still here and you say besides my alarm goes off for whatever reason yep so you say okay i do not know meditation um okay what is this what i've learned and and this is true for me and apparently for a lot of people is get yourself five minutes a day wherever you think you have time probably at lunch right or in the evening or in the morning where you can learn to sit down and just feel mm -hmm. your thoughts or your body you can do this body scan and uh, wow that's a big bottle for juice <laughs> it says spring water so there are hills quite close to where i live and it's a very nice and spring water so i go and and collect that from local well yeah and that water is absolutely amazing so that's why the big bottle <laughs> yeah so we go back to the meditation so so you practice sitting down feeling into your body however you can right there's no right there's no wrong we all are different as as carol also said we all have different experiences different knowledge uh, where we are and just you can have closed or open eyes and just feel five minutes mm -hmm. is enough two to five minutes and the better you get then you can add two times a day three times a day 10 15 20 minutes whatever feels good for you and i think when you are able to actually go through the body you get used to that then while you wash or while you've cleaned the car or while you drive you can start to actually get to to scan the body while while in the action so what is your experience with meditation sorry i have to ask this question like what do you mean by asking that question what is my experience with meditation <laughs> yeah i like to have these open questions um you teach meditation and you do hypnosis and uh what i exp what i shared now with a way to go into the meditation so what would you what is your tip is it the same do you have another tip for people which are new to meditation to get into meditation you could of course also have guided meditations where people help you and say feel your head now you feel your throat now you feel your shoulders now you feel your left arm right arm body check all these things yeah absolutely there are many types of meditation of course different types of meditation that are coming from or meditative experiences or breathing exercises they are coming from different um, approaches and from different schools you have like kundalini exercises um but i suppose one of the meditation that is super powerful is that meditation of insight is just finding the anchor that works for you whether this might be a breath 
or maybe this is just a visual space. You can close your eyes and kind of imagine the visual space. Where is what's the boundaries of visual space? Or maybe this is just the sensation of your uh, clothes. Or maybe you imagine your body as the sensation, as a cloud of sensations, right? just ever-changing energy uh, of your body. That you don't feel your body in any specific place, but it's just this fluctuation of energy that uh, sprinkles through your body. And exactly as you said, start slowly, start with two minutes. There is uh, a lot of research say, that suggests that optimal uh, duration of meditation for you to notice observable differences is 12 minutes a day. So 12 minutes a day, you can actually have some um, measured differences in your behavior or with your relationship to, to the world. Of course, the meditation has been shown multiple times that um, there is increased volume of gray matter and white matter in, you, in your brain when you are practicing meditation. Um, and the most important thing that I have to say about the meditation, you are not doing it wrong. You know, there is no such a thing as getting bad meditation or is not getting or or any, the, the, there is no such a thing as aim in meditation. You are not doing meditation to get to somewhere when it comes to insight meditation. Yeah. And there is no improvement in meditation. So meditation just is. And. It is no wrong, right or wrong way to, of doing it. I advise people just to sit down because lying down is a great chance of just fast, falling asleep. So sit down. Of course, there are some practices like Zen meditation that you need to sit in a very rigid posture and have that rigid posture. Um, and But, you know, just sit down, make sure that you're not best if your legs are touching floor. Um, if you cannot cross them, if it doesn't feel very comfortable, so just make sure that, that they touch the floor. Don't cross your arms, don't cross your legs, and just find the anchor. Whatever that might be, breath, you know, visual space, those those things that I, I mentioned before, sounds. Exactly, sounds. That works for me sometimes, just to listen to whatever is there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's beautiful. Like, I once listened to my fridge, for an hour it's it's beautiful <laughs> thank you for that example i think that that is actually a really good example that that for people it's which a, are not meditating yet and say what sound i have this fridge i have this clock perfect listen yeah. to the clock i mean what can be i mean and and there's like what is the difference between a hypnosis and a meditation because i think of listening to my wall clock for 10 minutes or something i'm completely going in another space i would say I will probably be more hypnotized by listening to the tick, 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 tick sound. What, yeah. So what is the difference between hypnosis let, and meditation there? Let me let me just go on the meditation for a moment. Yes. So yeah. in the summertime, when uh, I went to visit my family in Poland and there were so many bloody annoying mosquitoes, <laughs> well, they were not bloody annoying for me because I was fasting asleep in the room with you know, a couple of mosquitoes. And, you know, you have this feeling of, they fly around and they yeah. make those noises. And the meditation is actually and teaching you the control or, you know, different 
relationship with need for control. So I had this exercise that, you know, I was going to room perhaps a little bit earlier than my wife just to meditate. And I was listening to those mosquitoes and just trying to be cool with it. You know, it's just, it's just the sound and they can sit on my forearm and it's just, it is what it is. I don't have the, of course I have control. I can kill it or I can just um, push it away or whatever. But the goal of the, that exercise was just to accept the circumstances I am in without judgment. And if you think about that, the sound of a mosquito is annoying sound for most of the people because we make that association. I love rock music. Well, I love jazz, classical music. I love all music in, in general. I, I absolutely love music. Um, but let's say, you know, I love rock music, yeah? But for some people, the rock music is noise. There is no difference between mosquito flying around and rock music. So whether we like sound or no, is our association with it. And through meditation, we can actually find it out. And what is the sound? What's the sound? What's the, what is the breath? What happened to my breath two minutes ago? And it just, just to finish it off on the meditation, a lot of people say, and that's my experience, that I cannot meditate because my thoughts are keep coming. Well done. Welcome to the world. This is our brain. This is the way we were designed. This is the, the, the goal of meditation is not to stop your thoughts coming. They will be coming. What you do with meditation is like when you notice that the thought is coming, observe it, let it go, and gently return to the point of anchor, wherever that anchor is. Sound of mosquito, sound of fridge, your breathing, the weight of clothes, sensation of sitting, wherever that is, just gentle return to your anchor. Move away, let your thought or emotion move you away and go back. Move. And it's that balance is that movement. That meditation is that movement, that balancing act. Okay, so now you ask about what is the difference between meditation and hypnosis. I have my podcast as well, Oliver, that I'm more than happy to give you the link to it. And I have on my podcast, I have spoken with multiple people, like with different people from different schools, like Buddhists, Buddhist scholars, meditation teachers, hypnotherapists, you know, academics, uh, philosophers. And I try to explore that question. What is the difference between hypnosis and meditation? And when we look into, there are some neurological differences if you look into the brain closely, but in my opinion, the main meditation, main, main difference with the hypnosis and meditation is the purpose and usage. So the hypnosis is more guided stuff, like I guide you into hypnosis to do some therapeutic work. The hypnosis is stuff that you can do for yourself, even though the, the uh, the, the state of consciousness might feel very similar or it might feel completely different. They are going through the, the changes that occur in your brain are very, very similar. Hypnosis is opening up the suggestibility. So the hypnotherapist is able to install, such, well, work with you on installing new software, if you like. You know, in the meditation, you do it yourself. And sometimes you're not even, it's not about installing new software. It's about clearing out the RAM. 
on your computer <laughs> yes uh, it's debugging probably it's de debugging or, yeah or just remove you know the how is it's it called in remove the junk and you know yeah the junk sure yeah, that, yeah yeah clean up like the cage yeah. cleaning and you know getting yeah. rid of all the things which are not used anymore so yeah. the flow happens again like you said clean the the empty room which is filled with different objects clean the objects which are broken are not used anymore clean them out so you can better path yeah to, um, yeah and the final thing sorry the meditation doesn't need to be pleasant because a lot of people <laughs> think that oh I go into meditation and every time I am going to have that blissful state. No. You go into meditation and sometimes you can it can be really painful. It can be very uncomfortable. And it can be, you know, if you are angry, how come you can expect that you're going to have beautiful and blissful meditation? No, you're going to be angry. But it's just sitting with those emotions, being uncomfortable and exposing yourself into that uncomfortable uncomfortable situation into the discomfort is something that enables you to grow same like if you go to the gym to build your muscle you break the muscle by lifting weights by doing deadlift you break the muscle and then the muscle are given opportunity to rebuild themselves and they grow bigger so with meditation With meditation, you expose yourself into the mystery of your mind, sometimes very uncomfortable mystery of your mind, and you build yourself stronger. Yeah, I, I was just thinking uh, the last minutes while, while we were talking, or not, I didn't really think, I just felt, I'm like, wow, talking to people for that podcast, for me, is kind of like an exercise of being present. It's kind mm -hmm. of like, It's kind of like a meditation, not the same, right? Because I'm talking, but it's kind of like practicing being in the now. Exactly. But the, you know, you think about like Asian, like samurai warriors being <laughs> in the battlefield, they're fighting and they practicing meditation. Then they have that spatial awareness that normal people, well, normal people, uh, they don't have the access to it. There are exercises like walking meditation. There are mindful exercises like eating mindful eating or you cleaning. know they are ex <laughs> mindful cleaning, cleaning. Mindful, mindful parenting mindful parenting these are all meditative ex uh, ex experiences going through the physical exercise it's meditation it can be seen as the meditation it's all the framework the meditation is not just the sitting practice that you sit down it's about it's great starting point but it's how you blur the boundaries between the formal meditation and rest of your life when i work with clients that hour of concentration that's the hour of meditation that's the hour of me being fully present and that conversation that we are having right now i completely mirror your experience i have to be concentrated i have to be aware and awake and present with you otherwise i wouldn't be able to have the interaction with you as we are having right now so yes this conversation can be seen as some form of meditative experience yeah and there's um i, I try to round up the whole discussion because we have we have quite some talk not that i want to stop it there's much more we can talk but let's see if i can somehow round it up into you know self-expression and all these things what comes up right now when you said it was probably the question that flew away or not 
or it's a different question who knows <laughs> it just is when you are giving a therapy session when you are with a person for this one hour you said your ego is out of the door we got that i was thinking of hearing people talk of reading books of talking to other people giving such a session you you say you need to have a good structure in life like with meditation with eating with physical exercise with listening to music and reading books terry pratchett i've heard <laughs> i actually thank you for the reminder i thought i want to read something funny and have a lot of these non yeah all these science books so terry pratchett i'll check out if i can find some books at the library uh, because then your brain is definitely going somewhere else yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but how is it for you when you give these therapies are you drained afterwards? Uh, how many therapies can you give a day? Is there a limit? Because uh, I can imagine when you give massage and physio and so on. So there's a certain limit of, of, you know, what you can give before you're really drained physically, emotionally, energetic wise. How is it for you with a hypnotherapy? Do you feel a drainage you give from yourself or because you can disconnect so well that it's just, you know, like any other work? If I'm working too hard to giving a therapy, it means that I'm not doing my job right because I'm fixing client and I'm uh -huh. not being for them. The best therapist feels like I am not working at all. I'm just creating that platform. How paradoxically it might sound, the client is responsible for healing themselves. I am creating that platform. I'm assisting that you know we we are on this on the same boat we are going into the same direction but the client is doing the heavy lifting if i do heavy lifting it's mean that i'm fixing the client and actually i'm taking the responsibility for something that client needs to do and the therapy is not effective so yeah the best therapies are when i when it doesn't even feel like i've been working uh, so, so basically you come down after five sessions you get dinner and you're full of energy and your wife is like no did you work today like yes i worked i was the best th therapist i have lots of energy now no, no, no it doesn't doesn't work like that unfortunately it's <laughs> like with the intensive conversation you know after two hours of the conversation that we have now it feels like oh you know i i would do with some rest yeah. And they are different, different, um, you know, different days. Sometimes I feel full of energy and I can have multiple sessions. And sometimes, oh my God, I just, <laughs> it's just life, you know, it's just, just life. And it, it, it is normal for, for any job. Like if you're a bus driver, sometimes you can drive for, for hours and it's fine. And sometimes it's just like, you know, oh, just, I can't be asked today. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, but I just, choked a bit about that right that you're full of energy afterwards yeah but, yeah but it's probably also good if there's a wannabe therapist listening to this episode and it's just on the path to learn or has the first customer so this is kind of a guideline right if you're completely drained after giving sessions you you do the heavy lifting so try to you know do less lifting <laughs> so to speak yeah. um then for for the part of expression what do you in your experience now with the therapy your own life um, experience when is a person 
expressing themselves mostly. What, what are like so some of the key points you can see? Really great question. And it's, um, you know, there are multiple reasons why people are coming to the therapy. And people sometimes are coming to the therapy and after a few sessions, it turns out that actually the reason why they came for the therapy is not the reason why they came for the therapy. It was just the kind of the surface level stuff, but the stuff that we are working on, the deep the deep level stuff, is something that um, we, you know, is actually revealed to them. And sometimes it is not like that. Sometimes people are coming and staying for five, six sessions and that's it, job's done. And some people are staying for years. And that's that's okay. That's absolutely okay. And even though they, they might be staying for years or months or, or what have you, or anything in between, the milestones can happen at any time. You know, people are very complex creatures and we exist in the multidimensional space uh, in the social and environmental personal, romantic, sexual dimensions and biological and many, 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 many others. And yeah, they all come into play and they all have impact on our lives. So yeah, the, the, the milestones and then being able to reveal and get to discover all of those layers it it is sometimes milestones for people so yeah it's different for everyone it's absolutely different for everyone so that's uh, so it takes of course it, from a point of therapy you never know how how many sessions you need for someone to find themselves but for expressing oneself i mean it's what i'm looking for is probably something like i don't know what, what i've had in the talks so far on this theme right um was more like the self-acceptance and self-love. Um, so when you love yourself and you accept yourself completely, that then you're able to, to express yourself more truly without fearing the precaution. Uh, what is the word? It's in my head, but it doesn't really come out. You know, without fearing how other people think of how you express yourself. When I express myself, I have paintings here. I talk to you. Uh, I want to play music. And, but I can see there's this fear factor mm -hmm. of, of, let's say, painting certain paintings or now I'm working on the logo for the podcast, right? That it's not good enough, um, that it's offending, that it's not representing what I want. So what is your experience? When, when are people actually free? Yes, when are people free of, of the fear of, of being themselves and expressing themselves in whatever way it is, dancing, singing, music, writing, painting, acting. It's a lifelong process. It's a journey. You never got to the point that you're free, 100%. <laughs> you know, uh, you never get to the point that you are fully accepting yourself because you are fully accepting yourself within in that moment in time. And it's great if that can last for years but then you always have that another day and another day and another day it's like you cannot prove 
if that makes sense from looking from the scientific point of view, you cannot prove that it's going to be long-lasting change that is going to last forever because life might throw something at you that it can be wherever it might be. So is that that is the process, is the self-loving, being authentic with yourself is self is, is a process of self-checking, is self uh, inquiry self-reflection and you have to commit to that day in and day out to stay on top is that discipline that enables people to express and through that discipline through that work and when i say work i'm not you know it's not it's 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 pleasant work (laughs) I'm biased, of course, but this is pleasant work because it enables you to be really, truly who you are and really discover and to get to know you. You are awakened, but to be awakened, you are waking up all the time, you know, moment by moment, by moment, by moment, by moment. It's you never get to the point that, oh, that's it. I'm done. Yes, I think I think that's where we go now. So thank you. <laughs> um, that's beautiful. It's like un- understanding that the only con- uh, only thing that stays the same is that change mm-hmm. is unevitable. Jesus, what's wrong with my English today? Unevitable? Inevitable. <laughs> yeah. I think. I, 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 think, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, I think after two hours of talking with you, my my tongue is also getting heavy and the words are not coming so easily <laughs> as they come up in my mind. <laughs> so there's a disconnection now from what the word is sounding in my head and how it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I get that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it was Heraclitus who said that, you know, the men cannot step twice to the same river because no man is the same and the river is not the same. Wow. And it's, uh, yeah, it's true. That's I've never heard that one, but that makes sense. And it's it's I think this is part of call, you know, this this awakening. I mean, it's like this new age, whatever word, awakening. Um, I think it's also yeah, being aware and perceiving the world that new is is kind of like how you could also be described this awakening is just to realize that you're more than you think you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that there's more in you. Um, as we had now with this hypnosis, like there's emotions in you, there's thoughts in you, there's an energy body. We didn't talk about the whole energy body, uh, like the Ayurvedics talk from India to Chinese, right? Um, the meridian system and whatever energy system, chakras and so on and so forth. We can measure by now. So if people say, yeah, this is all bullshit, this is Chinese, we can measure it. There's the Heart Center Institute and so on and so forth. These, these, these different energy centers are connected to organs in our body which are emitting a slight magnetic field. And um, also chi, the life force. It's apparently like light emitting from our body. We can also see that with new technology. So <laughs> Western science is catching up with, with the Eastern knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also mentioned that before. And I think that's the awakening process is to realize at least awakening is probably something more Western than it is for other cultures because they are more, as you mentioned as well, like emotions are part of us, which are guiding us. And we are growing up in a culture where 
only now we we teach our kids to to accept their emotions, to love their emotions, to use their emotions as guidance, um, and not shy away and say, "No, I do not feel like saying hi to the people because I feel like I need space for myself." I was not allowed to do that. You're egoistic. What's wrong with you? You have to be nice. How do you think my my friends look at me as my as parent that my son is not saying hi to every one of you? Um, but I didn't feel good at that day. I needed to have space for myself. Now I had to greet 20 people. I had to kiss them on the cheek or give them the hand, but I didn't feel like. Um, I think this is parts we are learning in the Western world to accept more, to set our boundaries, to feel our emotions, uh, and to realize sometimes interactions like between you and me, even though it's over Zoom, even though it's we're both on, a, I'm not on an island, or am I? No, I think not. Uh, but you know, there's a big piece of water in between us and there's still a connection somehow, mm-hmm. energetically, spiritually, mentally. Uh, it's beautiful. And that we are on a continuous journey. I think that's also what I meant with the awakening, that we are on a continuous journey to redefine who we are and to re yeah, fall in love over and over with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because if we do not love ourselves, how can we love other people? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that I say, uh, well, I kind of believe is that hurt people hurt people. You know, if you, if you, so it's all, and love in Western world, it's such a cliche word when you say about the connections and when you say about the spiritual values and things like that. Love is sometimes used as this very cliche word that, you know, you need to love people and you need to love yourself but actually this is the most profound experience that can add the meaning to your to your life like from the love of the of your child to your child or it's there is so much research like into meta loving kindness meditation for example the meditation that it's all about the compassion and love of other human beings. And we can measure that, that practicing the meta loving kindness meditation can expand your life span by, you know, it's, it's have the impact on um, reducing the time for your telomeres to shorten and expand your DNA lifespan and all of that. So these are all tangible and measurable outcomes of the meditation, loving kindness meditation. So although there were some people like Richard Dawkins who was saying about like selfish gene, that people are basically competitors, there is no love, you are not designed to love and basically evolution don't care whether you're happy or no. I disagree with that 100%. I feel that we flourish when we love. I feel that we flourish when we collaborate. I believe that we flourish when we care about each other. And I think this is the Western society started the uh, awakening to that and the, the rediscovering that, yeah, you know, there is much more to this life than suffering. And, you know, it's it's worth to focus on, on love. Yeah. And yeah, the Eastern... Eastern traditions like Buddhist, Buddhism and Hinduism, they knew it. They knew it 5,000 years ago. You know, anything, nothing that they have said today, it's new to, to them. You know, yeah. they, they, they knew it. Yeah. So it's, it's, but I think also this is a part of when, when we get 
into depression is really when when the self-love and the self-acceptance is not there because there's self-hate self-judgment right mm -hmm. also you also talked a lot about not judging the people so i think also to accept yourself and love yourself you should stop judging and i talk to myself right <laughs> it's like look in the mirror look into the camera whatever look into your eyes and just be thankful be grateful and feel it mm -hmm. um yeah, and i guess uh with meditation and hypnosis you can get a step closer there if um or, yeah. or, or did you see that with your clients that they started to have more self-acceptance more self-love yeah absolutely and you know for example with the hypnosis some people who have experienced like low mood for so long time they go and they kind of tensed all the time hypnosis is the first time they have felt relaxed for years and that relaxation turned into that gratefulness and gratitude oh my god I, it was so nice and heartwarming and <laughs> it's the first time that they felt that warmth on their heart for so 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 many years and you know when you hear that when you have that connection with the other human being and you kind of be a part of that process that you know that touches you as well um it changes you and um it's it's great to be able to witness that in people i guess that must be very yeah that's a gratefulness uh practice in itself right seeing other people opening up yeah yes absolutely is there anything actually i think i made a round for this time uh we might have another round because there's a few questions more but two hours is i think enough for for the listeners at this time yeah <laughs> um by the way you don't have to listen to that from a to z at one go i don't do that sometimes <laughs> you can yeah, it's split a it up. long time so Yes, but I so, hope that if you listen to to this and you get to this point, I hope that you kind of enjoy it. So, and learn something. And, and learn uh, something. Yes. Is there any question I forgot completely that comes up into your mind? Oliver, this is your show. So if you, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I why I <laughs> that's why I ask. That's why I ask. No, I I think that you know I think that you did very well. Thank you very much for hosting. You've been absolutely brilliant, and you know. Um, I really enjoyed chatting to you and uh, answering your questions. So, yeah, yeah, so really, so, really grateful. So, yeah, that's going to the gratefulness uh, practice, um, self love. It's um, how to you, you mentioned you have your own podcast, and how to, can people reach out to you once if they want a therapy? You you mentioned you use Zoom online uh, hypnotherapy sessions. So anyone around the world can can call in, call in at best at twelve o'clock at night, <laughs> um, and the podcast and wherever you want to send people. So basically, if you Google my name, that you should have all of the information. My podcast is available on Spotify, but I can share the links with you, so you can attach to the description of the, the episode if that's at all possible. If yes. it's not possible, uh, just yeah, search my name, Karol Kosinski. Yeah, with K K. I, Karol yes. Kosinski is written with K, not with C. Yes, that's correct. That's Polish name, yeah. um, <laughs> and. 
yeah, you will be able to find me there. I've got a website and um, I'm on few directories like hypnotherapy directory, and you will be able to find all of the contact information to me from there as well. Yes. Are you on LinkedIn as well? Yes. Yeah. So LinkedIn, yeah. Um, Instagram as well, or? No, I am not on Instagram. I use, I, I do some meditation in Polish. So I have the Facebook that is just kind of the business part site um, just for the Polish speaking audience that I lead the meditation for. But at the moment, this is kind of dormant because I have the new responsibilities in my life. So I had to stop that. And I am not very active on social media at all. But yeah, I'm happy for people to connect me with me on LinkedIn as well. Yes. And uh, the podcast is just called Karol Kosinski Show or... Just Karol Kozinski on, on Spotify. So so you don't have a, a specific title? No. Hypnotherapist goes uh, meditation or something. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I might need to think about that, but, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it is what it is at the moment. I'm yeah, happy but, with it. Yeah, but, but just for the podcast, um, before I close down, it is about hypnotherapy and meditation. What is the difference and what are the common ground? Is that what you're talking about? Mainly, yes. It's um, yeah, it's different aspects of like spiritual development, spiritual growth, philosophy, and everything that people can find interesting in terms of like how to operate with our minds. So I talk to people like philosophers, academic researchers, psychotherapists, hypnotherapists about what does it mean to have good and balanced life, and what is the uh, recipe for success. There we go. And with that, now you know where you go after you have listened to all the episodes of this show, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, then you can go to Karol Kosinski and find more out about the, the spiritual thing. And anyway, my podcast here, I will also talk to other scientists, um, other therapists, uh, shamans, uh, medicine men and women, whatever, uh, on the spiritual path, spiritual growth, the mysticism. But everything around the theme of, you know, from depression to expression, how can a person, you know, go from the dark side to the light side? <laughs> we will also have some Star Wars uh, actors and uh, <laughs> people. No, I, I don't know. Would be fun though, but um, who knows? Where, where Fingers the... crossed for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting Harrison Ford um, talking about the dark side and the light side. No, he's not. So... <laughs> um, who knows? But thank you very much for your listeners um, and see you on the next episode or see you on the Karol Kosinski show. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. It.